Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm Ian Hamilton with my colleague over here, David Heaney. And we're going to get into some news here. It has been a big week for VR. There's been a lot of attention brought to the VR industry over the last week. And uh, let's just get right into the news here with the first news story. The Quest 2 SDK documentation leaked body tracking support. So there was a screenshot found in Meta's developer documentation that listed an option for unannounced body tracking support. Give us the details here on on what we can learn from this. So this leak was found in the documentation for the Quest 2 tracked keyboard SDK. So if you were with us last week, you'll remember that we were talking about the fact that developers can now show the Logitech K830 keyboard in virtual reality. And in that documentation was a screenshot of the Quest features section of the Oculus integration for Unity, the game engine Unity, which is what most VR games are made in. And in that screenshot, we notice a lot of familiar options like hand tracking, like using the system keyboard, which lets developers bring up that kind of floating keyboard you use in the Oculus browser and in the home, and things like pass-through capability, so apps can show pass-through. But we noticed there was an option which has never been announced, which is not documented, and which is definitely not a part of the current SDK, body tracking support. And to be very clear in this screenshot, the red outlines here were put in by Meta, not us. This is a screenshot from a developer documentation. The the goal of this page in the documentation was just to tell developers to enable these features to use the tracked keyboard. But body tracking support is nothing to do with that. And once we published the article showing this, it was very quickly taken down. This screenshot was replaced by one which had the body tracking support missing. What's most likely happened here is that someone inside Meta is using a development build of the Quest SDK and they took a screenshot and they forgot that they were using that build and they've left in this body tracking support. But the open question, of course, is what exactly does that mean? What could that mean? And that's what we'll discuss today. And that's what we discuss in our article as well. Systems like the original Rift CV1 had cameras or or sensors external to your play space looking at you. But how far do you think we can get with body tracking when you're just using these four internal sensors on the Quest? That is the big question about this. Everyone that has a Quest 2 or a Quest, you'll be familiar with where those cameras are. The top two cameras are pointing upwards into the corners, so they can almost never see your body unless you're in some sort of very weird contorted shape where you're almost upside down. But the bottom two cameras are actually wider than people think they are, and they're more pointed down than a lot of people think they are. There are a lot of situations where this camera can see at least your arms. So what I'm personally expecting from this is not leg tracking. I don't think this is going to be full body tracking if a feature does come out of this, simply because your arms, your torso, for many people, their body shape is going to occlude the path from these cameras down to your legs. But when it comes to your torso, When it comes to your arms, that's something that could add a lot to current VR avatars. Because in this application that we use, in the menu, we use pass-through, but we also show your avatar. So I can look down at my virtual arm and see just how different it is from my real arm. And a lot of people assume that the inverse kinematics, as you call it, the algorithm that these systems use to determine where your elbow might be from your arm is high quality, but it really isn't. It's Frankly, it's terrible. I'm my arm, my elbow right now is nowhere near where it's being represented here. I'm now swinging my elbow through a full, very large rotation 
and there's no movement. So even if this was just arm tracking, just going from hands to expand all the way up the arm, that would add a lot to me. But I think we could see something further here where you get the arms and a torso position. Because even if it's not a perfect tracking of the torso, even being able to distinguish between where your head is pointed and where your torso is pointed would add so much to current VR. And we've seen that with hardware, like the Decamove controller. There's apps that you can use that you can strap your phone to your body and you can have a different position of where your torso is facing. So my kind of conclusion there is I'm expecting enhanced body tracking from what we have today, but I would caution that it's extremely unlikely that we're going to see full body tracking from these kind of onboard cameras. Yeah, the thing that a lot of people pointed out, and we didn't really bring it up in our article when we published this, but there was a video posted by Chris Milk, the head of Within that became Supernatural. They're the company that that launched Supernatural, the fitness service. And there's a video showing what appears to be some crouching or ducking in order to move within some of the barriers that are in the Supernatural app. And that's what's interesting about Heaney's comment on the elbows, where I'm, I am doing the same thing Heaney just did of moving my elbows. Obviously, the more real tracking data you get, if we had the forearms and the elbow and the, and the torso, the more accurate that's going to be. But it's still never going to be anywhere near to a real external tracking system like the uh, Steam VR Lighthouse Space Stations with the HTC Vive trackers. It's not going to get to that point. I... I to bring up that thing about Supernatural, I did see a lot of people bring it up, but the reason I didn't bring it up is because there's no evidence of any actual leg tracking in that video. What we see is that as the user very quickly kicks their leg into the air, it breaks one of the targets in front of them. And my understanding of what I think that is, is I think they're just using the accelerometer in your head and in your and in the controllers, if you're using the controllers, to determine when you're kicking based on the extreme quick force. Because smartwatches can already do that. The Apple Watch and other such watches can detect what activity you're doing and detect things like kicks and punches without actually having any positional tracking, just by correlating the forces that are that come along with kicking. Because think of if you're kicking into the air, you're very rapidly moving your body and causing a very quick acceleration and deceleration. So I think that's much more likely just kick detection rather than bodily tracking. But it is entirely possible that Supernatural developers have gotten some sort of body tracking SDK early. I just didn't see any evidence of it in that specific. And then, of course, the other thing that I think we talked about is the portal video calling device. So that's an entirely separate line of products to the VR line of products at Meta. And it's a video calling device, and there's a whole series of them. There's one you can put on top of your TV. There's now a portable one now, right, Heaney? Yep, that's this and one then, here. It uh, has a battery. Yep, and so you can move that around your space. And the idea, I think there's even VR experts who are on the record suggesting that this device external to your play space might provide you the data needed to make full body tracking at least uh, workable in some circumstances. What do you think, Heaney? Is, is this something we're actually going to see? So I think it's workable in the sense that each of these devices has a high resolution, wide angle camera. And the reason the cameras in this these devices are so wide is that what these devices already do is track each human face in the scene and then crop the camera to it. So the video calling experience is better. So you can put one of these in the corner of your kitchen. And as you walk around the kitchen cooking or whatever, it will continue to track you as the subject and the other person on the other end of the video call will see just you or with the television one here, you put it on your TV, but you're sitting in one seat in the corner and it crops to you. 
So we know these devices have the camera hardware to make it possible. We know that they can track faces, but the two open questions, are the chips in these things actually powerful enough to track multiple body parts at once in real time? We don't know. There's very little known about the chips that go into these. They're just basic ARM chips that you would see in other similar devices, TV boxes, Android TV boxes, that kind of chip. The other big question is, does Meta consider this important enough? And we know from an Ask Me Anything session with Andrew Bosworth, the CTO, the, sorry, the incoming CTO of Meta, who currently runs the Reality Labs division behind Portal and Quest, said that he doesn't think there's enough overlap between Quest owners and Portal owners right now to make this viable. And that, that was said just last year because the people that have Quests tend to be more techie gamer people, whereas the people who have Portals tend to be just regular people that want to communicate over a long distance. You know, the adverts for Portal, they're advertising it that your grandparents are going to use this to communicate with you, whereas Quest is obviously a much younger demographic. So I, Bosworth's suggesting there that the overlap isn't there yet, but that implies that when there is an overlap, if Portal does somehow become more popular in these age groups, then it may happen. But what people could argue is, wouldn't adding this capability increase that overlap in the first place? I think there's another angle to consider here. And let's see, it's not on our subjects today, so I'll bring it up separate. But one of the goals uh, Bosworth or Zuckerberg has set, I think we covered it last week, is this idea that Horizon Worlds, they're connected, you can go in and create any kind of world, is going to run in 2D this year. What do you think the likelihood is that you could play, you could connect a controller to this and play Horizon Worlds or access Horizon Worlds on some device like this year? Yeah, I think the idea of it being on a portal, that's an interesting idea. I don't think it would be something where there's a controller connected to be interactive because then you have to have this device and another device. And that's not something that companies on the scale of meta waste their time on a subset within a subset. But the idea of a viewer, a spectator that could sit in the corner of a Horizon venue or a Horizon room and on one of these devices and not interact seems a lot more viable to me. And I actually think that's more likely how they'll even take the mobile support that's been announced. So anyone who wasn't watching our show last week, Zuckerberg says that by the end of this year, Meta wants to have Horizon Worlds accessible on smartphones, but didn't give details on exactly what that means. I think if it comes to Portal, if it comes to smartphones, it's going to be much more of a passive viewer rather than a creator. Because when you're creating worlds in Horizon Worlds, you're using your tracked controllers in a very precise, specific way that I just don't see being ported. Although that said, Rec Room has demonstrated that you can port to Android and iPhone and still bring those creator tools. But I don't think anyone would argue that creating in Rec Room on a smartphone is anywhere near the experience of creating it on a VR system. And some people would even argue that Rec Room's continued focus on non-VR platforms has slightly hampered their design when it comes to VR because it's now their, their user interface and their kind of interaction system is a jack of all trades, but a master of none and specifically not a master of... Very interesting takes there. Hello, Traveling Man, Artful, Alex. Thank you all for tuning in. And yeah, so do we have any questions here uh, that we should respond to, Heaney, or should we get on to the next subject? Just artful asking if it would be like Xbox Connect. Yes, but much harder because it's not a, as someone else pointed out here, it's not a structured light sensor. These are just regular old cameras. They're very high resolution and they're very wide angle, but they're not 3D and they don't have any depth data. So it would be relying on machine learning algorithms. And that's the real question of whether it's really possible on these devices. 
and given but i think the thing that that's interesting to keep in mind there is is it, it's not i wonder if it's arguable whether meta is the world leader in i don't know 2d computer vision algorithms or like in the top five are they number one or number just in the top five like how would we rank them any do you think i would say they're, they're definitely it, it, the, the understanding the consensus that i understand from following the machine learning community is that when it comes to things like computer vision and language models facebook and google sorry meta and google are essentially tied first where every year or two they make one may jump in front of the other and one may come back in but it's always tends to be meta and google up there with microsoft as a close third well, let's get it into the uh, second bit of news here this is a very interesting one, a long time coming. An Apple leak revealed Reality OS as the AR VR operating system. So Heaney, we've heard Reality OS talked about for a little while over there at Apple. And now we've actually got formal confirmation in code that this is coming. What can we learn from Reality OS and what is the significance of this? Yeah, as you say, it really has been a long time coming because there's people out there that completely discount reports about future products and say this, there's nothing you can learn from this. But Bloomberg, the source of a lot of our current information about this upcoming Apple headset, actually reported the existence and development of Reality OS back in 2017. And the idea here is that this is going to be the new operating system that powers Apple's headset and their future headsets and potentially even the same operating system that will go on to power their glasses, which may come in the later half of this decade. And so there are so many open questions about this because as much as people focus on Apple's ability to develop very advanced and miniaturized hardware, the real potential here for me and for a lot of people in the VR space is that Apple comes along with a radically new approach to software. But essentially what we're seeing here is that an iOS developer spotted the platform com.apple.platform.realityOS in the App Store upload logs. So the logs that are given to developers when they... Did I just jump out of existence there? My yeah, tracking, I think you're back. <laughs> I covered my tracking cameras perfectly by accident. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not a good is that, idea. Is that how we just disappear from a VR experience that's too scary? Just you know, cover up the tracking cameras and you're out? That would be... Yeah, I guess. I'd like that. In the same way that you cover up your eyes when you're too scared of something in real life, if you just cover your tracking cameras, <laughs> that's it. The headset has no idea where you are now. But yeah, so as, as well as that being found in the App Store upload logs, a award-winning Git repository surgeon, Nicholas Alvarez, spotted Apple committing code to its open-source GitHub repository, which also referenced target feature Reality OS and a Reality OS simulator. And the simulator is nothing special or new. Apple has device simulators for all of its platforms so if you're a mac if you're if you have a mac and you're developing for iphone and you, your iphone's broke or lost or you don't have one somehow you could use a simulated iphone on the screen so it looks like this is definitely a thing reality os now and in december we covered on this show that apple actually posted a job listing for an ar vr frameworks engineer with the role being described as developing an entirely new application paradigm for software that is deeply integrated into our operating systems. So it sounds like Apple is going to take a radically new approach to VR and AR software. The question is, how exactly will it work and will, what are the advantages and how hard will it be for current developers to jump into it? 
Interesting. I don't know how much I want to get into right at this moment, but I've been thinking about this a lot, Heaney, on the platform wars that we see developing. And Meta has invested quite a lot in this idea of the Quest platform and then the Quest platform running on whatever its next headset is. So the the Cambria headset, that's all they've given us as far as naming. But it's going to be, as we understand it, a separate product line from the Quest product line, but also compatible with all the existing Quest products. So there's this very real possibility that there is another platform on the way from Meta, and that is going to compete, perhaps, I think, with this reality OS one-to-one with very similar feature sets. There's a lot of things that I've been thinking about lately, Heaney. Apple has rolled out text recognition, so you can point an iPhone's camera at any text, handwritten or typed, and have it copy and pasteable. And I know that's a feature that Google has had and been in development with. Uh, what is it? A lens? I can't remember the original name of that app where you could point your phone's camera at billboard written in another language and see all of that text translated into your language in the same font, in the same colors, in the same place. And that's an incredible part of Google's ecosystem. But it's taken years for Apple to roll that out system-wide But I think about that sort of feature as being fundamental to something like a reality OS when you can wear glasses and look at maybe uh, a wall of notes, like a a whiteboard that you've written over here, and being able to specify which text from that whiteboard you want in an AR, VR headset is a fundamental feature of, of these devices. And we have yet to see anything like that from Meta's ecosystem. And then, yeah, those are the types of features I would imagine attached to reality OS. Are there other things along those lines? Am I am I often left field here, Heaney, or am I on the right track, you think? No, I think things like that are going to be important because what we've seen from Meta already is that they don't want to give developers raw access to the cameras for privacy reasons because they're so paranoid about not having another Cambridge Analytica situation where a developer that's given too much access to the platform is able to use that for nefarious reasons. So that will likely be something that developers have to get through Apple. And the, the downside of that is that they're going to have to wait for Apple to rule out these features. So as you've pointed out, Google Lens was a thing years before this feature rolled out on, on iPhone. You wouldn't know it if you watched an Apple conference, though. But <laughs> And before that, you're right to say that Translate, Google Translate app had that built in for, I think, five, six years. It was one of the first kind of uses of real-time computer vision in a consumer product like that. But the feature that I'm really hoping for in Reality OS and what that job listing from December hinted at is a deeper integration between the operating system and the content where more of the core functionality is handled by the system itself rather than having every app rewrite the wheel, re remake the wheel and go through its own system so that if you try an app two years ago, it's going to have outdated interaction paradigms from two years ago. As physics engines update and sound engines update, applications in the past will stay in the past on Meta's platform, but Apple could take a new approach that takes more of that core functionality into the system level so that the applications are more focused on the content. And that means that throughout the whole system, you have far less variance between the quality of these core interactions in hands and physics and audio and rendering than if the system is handling it. And the other aspect of that, that this job hinting, job listing hinted at that I think could really be impactful is if Apple takes that same approach to networking. So if applications 
that use Apple's frameworks are fundamentally networked so that when you come into the same space with someone or you want to interact with someone over the internet, there's not this kind of separation between the, the single player content and the multiplayer content. And again, that's just my reading into this AR VR frameworks engineer job listing from December. It could be wrong, but there are hints there that they are looking at something that's dramatically different from the current software stack we see. I'm seeing a question in here from OPZR asking if the Apple Watch has the hardware to detect finger movements like class point and gyros. There was an accessibility feature rolled out for Apple Watch quite recently that detects hand movements from your finger movements from or gestures from the movements on your wrist. And that's directly due to machine learning algorithms, right, Heaney? Yeah, it's like we were talking about with the supernatural kick detection thing. There's a lot you can do with an accelerometer and gyroscope to detect things, but we do need to draw a very important distinction between detection and tracking. Leg tracking, for example, is when you actually have an understanding of the position of the leg and the shape of the leg and where it's moving, whereas kick detection or uh, hand gesture detection, like detecting going like that or detecting putting a finger out very quickly or detecting a quick grasp or kind of that any other movement like this is something that you can do with accelerometers, but you're never going to be able to track the hand with just accelerometers. You still need some kind of tracking system, be it cameras or be it the uh, EMG neural tracking we've seen from Meta's research to actually get tracking. So I'm not sure how useful detection is in a VR context, but certainly in an AR context, when you're looking at your real hand anyway, and you don't need to track it, there's a lot you could have from an Apple Watch that can detect those sort of gestures that would Mm. improve AR input. So this may be a little bit off topic, but I want to get into it because it's been uh, on my mind quite a lot recently. Uh, A while back, I went into VR with several people who spoke American Sign Language, and if you go back and find our article, uh, search uploadvr.com, American Sign Language, and there was this quote that I, I basically asked Meta and Facebook at the time, are you researching and prioritizing sign language recognition in VR? And the thing I learned from talking to those people who really know American Sign Language is there's such nuance and complexity in expressing yourself with hand movements and the it requires a level of hand tracking that we just have not seen yet. Maybe the closest to that is the Ultra Leap, because you've tried Ultra Leap's hand tracking. It is so incredible. But I think a lot about this in terms of the quote I got from a deaf developer in the VR community who talked about what it meant to go to a school and interact with people who are like you. So there was this description in on that article where he talked about how lonely it could feel and how much he looked forward to the time he actually went to school and had people who spoke his native language, basically, and his the way he felt most comfortable expressing himself. And he had to physically go to school to have that connection. And that's, you could do that. You could have a window of 12 different windows and have everyone gest- gesturing via those 12 windows, but it's not the same as 3D space expression and being able to express yourself with all that emotiveness with your hands and your body and and your facial expression. What I'm getting at here is 
We've just spent the Super Bowl and the last year and a half talking about this metaverse concept that Mark Zuckerberg and others are using. But I feel like that is just, it's like a smokescreen and distracting from this idea that people who are physically far away from each other could be brought into the same room together and have a interaction that feels as natural as it did in physical space one-to-one. And I think about that interaction where we're talking about these headsets a year from now, or maybe even later this year, talking about an Apple headset we expect to be very expensive, and we're expecting a Meta headset to be very expensive. And we expect both these devices to have sensors for tracking movements and information about yourself and the environment around you that we've yet to see really brought to bear in the VR market. My question is sort of Heaney, the the metaverse, all you know, questies, everything we've seen here, it seems like a distraction from this idea that when will we have someone wearing an Apple headset and a Meta headset, and they're both deaf and able to have a American Sign Language or a sign language conversation that feels one-to-one exactly as if they were present. That's what's going to move, in, in my mind, when that's actually feasible, that's when the metaverse that all these people are talking about is real and actually valuable to people. But before we get there, it's a lot of distraction, in my opinion, and, and a lot of this stuff could be I don't know, misplaced. I don't know. That's a lot of my commentary. Heaney, what do you think? Yeah, I think that really is the pitch of the metaverse. And as you say, because of today's limited technology, because of, you know, the avatars today that are only driven by your microphone and your head and your hands, it's a, today the metaverse is mostly just used as a marketing term. But in the future, as you point out, one of the big advantages of the metaverse is that it can take people whose hobbies or interests or disability or way of speaking or language is geographically niche to them. So the people who are around them in physical space, they would have to go to monthly meetups or really struggle to find people who are in that same hobby or niche or whatever it happens to be. And because people are connected all over the world, they can easily find each other. They can, You can find your community regardless of where you're geographically located. But as you say, for things like that, for really rich interactions, it's going to need a lot higher fidelity body tracking and facial expression tracking and eye tracking to really feel like that sense of being with someone. But again, I wouldn't say that this is trying to equate to real life. I would, as I always point out, social VR and the metaverse, its goal isn't to replace real life interaction. It's to replace the limited webcam grids and disembodied video games of today. Because we, we already spend a huge amount of our communication time remotely as in the modern world. So people are saying, oh, is the metaverse about escaping reality? People already escape reality. People already spend a lot of time on WhatsApp and FaceTime and Fortnite and other multiplayer video games. The difference is it doesn't feel anything like being next to someone. Whereas today's VR feels just a little bit like being next to someone. And VR in five or 10 years has the potential to feel a lot like being next to someone. And I don't think we're going to get in our lifetimes or even in any kind of foreseeable future, something that really feels exactly like real life, but because it's going to be so much closer than today's limited kind of webcam grids, it's going to be something that's very compelling. And that's where that metaverse value is. And that's where all of those billions of dollars that are being invested in what today is a marketing hype word. That's what all of those dollars are looking towards a future where all of that's possible. 
Interesting. Yeah, uh, a couple thoughts came to mind there that like people in our comments are talking about facial expressions and lip tracking being so important to American Sign Language. And that is something we do expect in at least the meta headsets. They've gone on the record as saying Cambrio should have uh, some of those sensors to recognize hand facial expressions. The other thing that was really key in that in that hands on where I talk to those uh, people who know American Sign Language was gesturing from your body outward is incredibly important to sign language. And that's where the tracking falls off in significant ways. But there was this one moment that I thought was so significant in my demo where I I talked to these people. And one of the people who knew American Sign Language was looking at another person who knew sign language. And after the demo, the person said, where did you, where are you from? Are, Are you from Austin? And she was able to identify that the other person had learned to speak, you know, learned to communicate with American Sign Language based on something about their expressivity in 3D virtual space that conveyed that to them. One thing I do want to mention is VRChat has a active community of signers, people who know sign language, and they've adapted handshapes to the gripped object that you have with tracked controllers. So there, the, if you can speak sign language or are curious, there's a very supportive community out there of people who are already doing this in VRChat on a regular basis. And they're adapting the language itself to the fact that you've got these things in your hands that don't let you gesture the same way you would if it was just open air. I really wonder when VR chat's going to get hand tracking. It seems like one of those things, obviously on PC, if you have a leap motion sensor, you can emulate a controller, but it's not really true full fidelity hand tracking like this it's just it seems so odd that this many years into quest having hand tracking the biggest social vr platform doesn't yet support it i don't understand that all right let's get to the last piece of news here the quest 2 super bowl ad that we saw over the weekend swapped the headsets oculus branding for the meta logo we obviously saw Questy advertised during the first quarter of the super bowl over the weekend And right at the top, where the Oculus logo would be, there's now a Meta logo. What else can we tell our audience about this right now, Heaney? I was just about to ask you, did I believe you reached out to Meta to ask if this is going to be something that's seen in Quest sold from next month or next week or when? Did they actually give you a response? I don't recall getting a response uh, to that email. There's a possible there was like a no comment or something, but I, I don't think I got an answer at all to that question yet. Yeah, so I guess what we're just seeing here is a step-by-step killing off of the Oculus brand. And we were talking about this in weeks before as it came to other areas, such as their Twitter and social media branding, went from Oculus to MetaQuest. And now one of the most prominent places, the Oculus, anyone who owns a Quest will know this, is right on the front of the headset. There is the word Oculus. So it's hard for them to you know, call this a MetaQuest too and change everything to MetaQuest when the product has... The one word Oculus written in big letters right in front of it. So obviously they've decided they want to change that. But as far as we're aware, quests that are sold today, quests that are in retail, quests that are on Oculus.com, because the website is still called Oculus.com too, strangely, still have that Oculus word on. So we have no idea when this will actually change over. Obviously, when companies are producing products like this, they're produced months in advance and then batched up into warehouses and then off to retailers to finally ship off to people. So it may be just a matter of time. It may be that the current quests being produced have this logo on them, and it's just going to take a while for that to go through the logistics ecosystem and get to people. But yeah, we're seeing 
the last kind of remnants of Oculus. As, as far as I'm aware, the only places that Oculus still exist is the website, the developer tooling is all still called Oculus, and obviously the smartphone app, the required smartphone app is still called Oculus. Yeah, I, it's funny, as I try to track down vintage gaming hardware, like the original Nintendo 64 and things like that are worth hundreds of dollars, many hundreds of dollars, if you try to track them down today, you think that we're going to have the same situation in 20, 30 years with original Oculus branded merchandise and, and headsets. Are they going to be worth more than the meta devices pretty soon? It'd be really interesting to see. Obviously, I was joking with you, Heaney. I went to Questies over the weekend. Should we talk a little bit about that as well, Heaney? Yeah, tell us about Questies. The so just for anyone who's not familiar, that was the kind of arcade shown in the Super Bowl ad, and it's actually a real location in Horizon Worlds, Meta's social VR platform. And Ian visited it because Jamie and I can't because we are blocked because we are not in the US and Canada. <laughs> yeah, I keep trying to talk to Heaney and, and the team about Horizon Worlds and just all these crazy ideas. Like one of the things I was joking recently was I, I wanted to imagine a physical band hammer that comes around. Would it be funny if one of these moderators had a physical band hammer that they could bring down on a person who crosses the line and they explode out of the space and make a big show of it? Or will that just make people want to get banned more often? I don't know that. But here's the space. And it was dead when I went into this particular instance. This was the second instance I went into. The first instance had quite a lot of people in here. The second instance didn't have anyone in until uh, a few minutes into this sort of video. People started populating over here. But yeah, this is Questies, a uh, social hangout spot m built in Horizon Worlds. And it's got several little mini games around this space. And I'm, I'm using my teleport to go around and show what each of them looks like to our audience. They've got a whack-a-mole game. They've got a, an air hockey game. There's like a place where all the robots that we see in the Super Bowl ad supposedly play music for the audience. The, the thing that that's most memorable about this experience to me are two things. The lighting in this was incredible. There's these disco type lights changing over everything. And it is really beautiful in there to see like the light shifting across avatars faces. And it's really quite beautiful the way that lighting works. And then I went to this drumming experience and the drum, I couldn't figure out how to get the drums to work. It didn't seem to have any effect on the actual drum set, but grabbing the drumsticks and tossing them into the distance, there was actually really satisfying physics to that through throwing and you can't throw this controller in the same way you can throw the drum which i guess makes sense because it's kind of cool at the end of a show to throw drumsticks but yeah the drumsticks throwing them and the lights on everybody's faces are the most memorable things of the actual questies that i can think of and then yeah it started filing and people started having interactions in here and yeah i heard loud young voices in here and but it's, people seemed mostly respectable, even though my very first interaction in here, in the first instance that I didn't upload, was a kid, a very young voice, running around yelling or very loudly saying, turn your microphone on, turn your microphones on. And yeah, that's that's not what you want to be experiencing in VR generally. I also noticed there was like a vote in this particular world to, to ban someone. Like at some point I got like a pop-up in my menu system that said, would you like to ban? And I looked at the name. I looked around. I didn't see the person in the room. I had no idea what they were being voted to be banned for. And 
Yeah. But we'll get here in a minute to the air hockey experience. And I think that's, I guess, the yeah, there, there's me throwing it. Isn't it so satisfying? Because you're also, the light is also catching the drumstick as it's flying. And so it's just a very satisfying interaction to toss those drumsticks away. But we'll get to a minute here into the air hockey. And the air hockey was just miserable. And what I think is really interesting about that is when you go to an arcade, generally like anywhere in the world, it's very unlikely you're going to find an air hockey table that works exactly as it's supposed to. Some of the air holes will be clogged up and the puck will come to a stop in certain areas of the table. It might not bounce when it hits certain walls because that wall was broken. But the thing that's you can see the lag and the latency here just being miserable. And I spent a, a good amount of time thinking, like, what's the difference between the way this fails and the way a physical air hockey table fails? And the difference is that if I was at a physical air hockey table with a friend, we could play half the game this way and then switch to the opposite ends of the table and play another game or play the second half of the game with us both having like equal brokenness. We each get the table broken in equal amounts therefore the game is fair but right what we're seeing here all these glitches are internet-based glitches right like how do i know the predictability of whether yeah i just physically can't do that i can't rotate around a table that's the same for both of us we're both at the mercy uh, of our internet connections and those how those are um handled minute to minute could change so yeah it's a very interesting experience to go in there and think how it differs from an actual arcade. Like, would I want to take that experience away from people who have who don't have access to a physical arcade? No, that's a great experience for people who haven't been to an arcade or haven't been to a Chuck E. Cheese. But then again, does it any does it compare positively to those experiences if you have access to them? Is a totally different. Question. I think a lot of people like to shit on Horizon Worlds, but this is actually very technically impressive because for anyone that doesn't realize. This isn't a pre-made world. No one, this wasn't made in Unity. This wasn't made in Unreal Engine. This wasn't made on any kind of desktop tool. Just like in Rec Room, the worlds within Horizon Worlds are built inside virtual reality with your track controllers by placing objects and using a visual scripting system where you can just create relations between objects. There is no air hockey module in Horizon Worlds. All of that was built by someone using this in-world scripting system. None of these games are predetermined parts of the app. This is all created. And that's why the lighting actually really impresses me. And from the start of Horizon Worlds, I noticed that they are doing something very interesting when it comes to shadows and lighting because you can't really do real-time dynamic shadows on mobile platforms like quest it just doesn't work from a performance perspective so there's some kind of i don't know the technical details and i'd love to one day find out but there's since the start of horizon worlds there's some kind of batched or server-side dynamic kind of shadow casting going on where there it's almost like a light map that you'd see in a pre-made environment but kind of being done in real time because you notice if you're placing down an object that's just beside a light the object stays there on lit for a few seconds and then a few seconds later the shadow is generated below it and stays and that's something that you don't commonly see in any but pretty much any video game there's something interesting going on that i don't really see happening in rec room obviously rec room has its own lighting system but it doesn't seem to quite be to this level of sophistication and obviously you have the really rough edges with the fact that a lot of the avatars are updating at a very low frame rate 
and the air hockey's very glitched and the networking seems to need a lot of work. But I think the fundamentals of Horizon are better than a lot of people are assuming. And if they can keep building this out over time, and it looks like from what we know from news reports, they're they're pumping hundreds of millions, if not billions, into this application and into kind of putting the best people onto it. There's a lot more potential here than a lot of people are assuming. And this is this questie seems to just act as if a kind of showcase of what's possible. It's interesting that there were so many problems with the Foo Fighters concert via venues right after. The physics breaking here, that I went into here a couple hours before the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. So I don't know how this performed during and immediately after the Super Bowl when a, a lot of people probably went in to go see what was going on. Um, but it, it worked. It generally worked, except for that air hockey experience being so janky. And I, I think that's a big... Yeah, I'll be really. I, I want air hockey to be so great, and people are talking about Unity and uh, yeah. Unreal there in the comments. And I saw when I talked about this on Twitter, people talking about how impressive Eleven VR's physics system is for table tennis. And if you haven't played Eleven VR table tennis, it is an incredible physics experience for recreating table tennis in VR. And there's a gap there in between what's capable in an app like this and what's capable in customized engine driven work in something like 11 VR and I think for, for our readers out there what's the gap there like how do you bridge the gap if you I don't know if you want to be a developer and build something that's as good as 11 VR do you trust that meta or rec room is going to improve this functionality over the long term or do you go and try to learn all the networking features that you really need to to develop something like this from the ground up. Well, yeah, that comes to the the comment I was going to reply to here. James O'Loughlin, actually, you say, I'm not sure the lack of Unity and Unreal integration is a feature. I, I couldn't disagree more. Of course it is, because developers, the number of people who can develop an application in something like Unity and Unreal, obviously anyone can if they put their time to it and, and take time to learn it. But people have lives, they have hobbies, they have friends, they have relationships. The vast majority of people simply do not have time to learn how to use a game engine when they want to create cool content. But almost everyone can be a creator in an application like this, where you intuitively just have the controllers in your hand and you place shapes and you place objects and you connect them together by a physical kind of, not a physical, a virtual, but a spatial connection and use English language basic scripting. You've always, there's always been, even in traditional video games, there were always far more modders than there were developers. And this is a continuation of that idea that as well as being able to develop an application like 11 table tennis, that, that takes years. It takes a lot of money if you need developers and artists to come in and help you, you, which the vast majority of people do if they want to make a polished application. It's something that is, you essentially have to start a small business if you want to make a native application of the quality of 11 table tennis and then compete with the other small businesses over time that are trying to build similar applications in the same space. And even if that means if it's three or four people, it's still a lot more than just what anyone can be as a creator in something like Rec Room and Horizon. And I think the answer to your question is yes, over the next decade, that is what Meta is going to be trying to do here. And it's, a, it's what I'm sure Rec Room is going to do. They're going to try and it continues to increase those NVR creation tools until Horizon Worlds and Rec Room essentially become like a third engine, but an engine where you don't need a PC, you don't need to render, you, or sorry, you don't need to bake light maps, you don't need to know how to code, you don't need to do all of the 
horrible hassle that comes with managing Unity packages and Unreal market blueprints. You just build spatially in front of you. You see what you have. And one of the things in Horizon that I don't think people realize is that's a co-op experience. People can build alongside you. It's not like you have to then save and, and render off and wait for a while. You can have your friend in building this world with you. You're talking, you have voice chats. You can become a giant and you can see them as a small scale. They can work on the detail while you work on the large scale. Mm-hmm. That kind of creation is going to be very important in this decade, I think. And just yep. in the same way that tools like Snapchat and TikTok have allowed people to compete in a very small scale with professional video creators and express themselves in a way that they don't need to be an expert in After Effects or Premiere Pro, you're going to see that same thing happen in VR. And it's very obviously key to meta strategy because we've seen both Rec Room and Horizon Worlds now give out a multi-million dollar fund to creators to just go into these worlds and build cool things. And that's going to be the kind of start of the chicken and egg problem here. Because a lot of people talk about, you know, I don't want to go into Horizon yet because there's nothing to do. To make something to do, they have to make better creator tools and get good creators incentivized to stay in there. And that seems to be what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know how much we want to get into this because I do expect them to get this get into this on the games cast. But I, I raised this question just a little while ago that Star Trek Bridge Crew just shut down uh, or was delisted on several platforms. And I'm thinking about the interactions in that game and how you're like interacting with these 2D in- or these physical interfaces right in front of you that are just buttons and dials mostly. And it feels like all of that would transfer pretty effectively to like a Horizon Worlds type experience where you don't have any price up front. You just go in and meet up with four other people and go have a bridge crew type experience in a social space. And it's a really good point. You just brought up about the price. Nobody really talks about that. The fact that I saw some people in the comments asked there, why wouldn't you go instead of playing air hockey in Horizon, why wouldn't you go and buy an, an air hockey game on the store? It's just as you said, in Horizon, all of this content is free. And Rec Room, in VR Chat, all of this content is free. Maybe there'll be a ticketing system in the future, but even then, it's more likely to cost a lot less than these 10 20 $30 apps. And that means that you're going to have a much, much larger market. Because one of the biggest complaints I see in new users when they get a quest is about the price of the games on the store. And when, as journalists, when we get review codes, we're disconnected from that situation of having to spend hard-earned money in those big titles that we would get kind of review codes and things for. But that is something that really matters to people. And if Meta wants to ship headsets to 100 million people, to a billion people, as you keep increasing that market, less and less of those people want to spend $30, $40 each time they want to go to a new... So the, the thing I... All right, so Haney, when do you think we'll have a Horizon creator build a replica of a Oculus Quest Store game and have to deal with that. Because BuzzFeed uh, just released this massive news report where they went in and created an unpublished Horizon world with all sorts of content that would have been kicked off of every other Facebook platform. But because it it was unpublished in a Horizon world and like they the BuzzFeed reporters tried to basically report themselves to Meta to see what the content moderation policies were like inside virtual reality. And that's an interesting avenue to investigating whether Meta has a cohesive plan for how to address content moderation 
with VR and AR experiences that are happening mostly in real time. But I guess I wonder about this other situation where like the dev- the people who are the creators, the people who are making things in Horizon Worlds are working cooperatively, taking prize money from Meta when they create a winning like it was almost like Horizon has put out bounties for the development of certain game mechanics that could then be copied and used by other creators within the Horizon Worlds ecosystem. And I really wonder whether, I assume if I go search for Beat Saber, I will find something like Beat Saber in Horizon Worlds. But that's got to be a, that's one thing for, I don't know, Rec Room, some creator in Rec Room to go and recreate something that's paid somewhere else. But it would be another thing to see someone in Horizon Worlds build something that pulls from ideas on the published store and is charging 30 or 40 bucks. Well, yeah, as you say, that it's not just a hypothetical. In Rec Room and VR Chat, there are already recreations of popular VR games. And for example, there is there are recreations of Among Us. And we know that there actually is a paid, you know, proper Among Us VR coming, I think, later this year, though I'm, I can't remember the details on that. That's... But yeah, it's Shell Games, the creators of I Expect You to Die, right? Yeah, that's going to be a big test there, isn't it? Because people are going to, you're going to see in real time, will people get the more polished paid for experience or will they go for the kind of recreations in these apps? But as I said, over time, I think we're going to see a slow convergence to the point where it's very possible that in, in 10 years time, some of the recreations in platforms like Worlds and Rec Room and VR Chat and even Alt Space VR are going to be so close to the real thing and so much cheaper that you may see a kind of shift from the most popular apps being on the store to being on these platforms. And it's almost like the equivalent is almost like the shift to web apps because mm-hmm. on desktop Portal. PCs about 10 years ago, what happened? We saw that people went from owning kind of these native applications like Microsoft Office that they paid for and downloaded onto their PC to shifting to things like Google Docs and other web-based document tools that are free, but use obviously they use a different monetization strategy, your data for targeted advertising. And I think we're going to see a very similar VN coming into VR. There's a potential that over time, the prevalence of these paid for applications stays in the core gamer group that mostly own vr today so people are still going to be buying these high fidelity kind of triple a style immersive titles but when it comes to the more casual things like ping pong and air hockey and mini golf and the likes of that it's very possible that the more casual market as vr expands from its current kind of 10 million people market into 50 100 200 million people, it's very possible that those casual titles exist mainly through platforms like Worlds and Rec Room rather than as these paid for apps. Because say your friend gets a headset and you want to play mini golf with them. You can't just say, let's go play mini golf. You have to say, pay $20 and then come play mini golf with me. There's a big barrier there that gets taken away completely when it becomes just a world. That's that's an f- interesting example because Walkabout Mini Golf added that guest pass where, yes, you have to have the entry fee to the app itself, but you don't necessarily have to have purchased the DLC courses. You just have to have a friend who has purchased the DLC courses. And then you also get in, you can get invited to his instance, more or less, of that DLC course. What an, that's such an amazing thing. I'm curious to see how that expands over time because. 
for that particular developer, they're they're able to stay in front uh, of some of these copycat experiences that might roll out on something like Horizon Worlds. They're able to charge an upfront fee and then also get people in who don't have the DLC courses. And I imagine that's going very well for a mighty coconut over there. And I'm really curious to see if other people take that model in the future. Yeah, I I think that's the ideal model. If these kind of native applications do want to compete with what's coming, it is, it's to go further than that. And it's to say that only one person needs to own it to be the kind of host. And obviously, if you don't own the game, you need to be able to come in and play because otherwise you're just going to get eventually, as you say, clones on these platforms that as these platforms get better and better, and as the kind of friction of launching in as a party into these worlds become easier, and we could see things like meta making Horizon Worlds equivalent to apps in the Quest home system, and you invite people into a world just as you would a normal application. If something like that happens, they're going to need to do a lot more than just give people free DLC. And those are the kind of apps that are going to struggle in the long term if that becomes a thing. But obviously, we could then see these apps become specialist and go for a higher price and a smaller audience and say that if you want to have a basic mini golf experience, you can do it in Rec Room or Horizon Worlds or VR Chat. But if you want to have a very high fidelity mini golf experience or do all of these extra things and you're a real enthusiast for it and your friends are all willing to pay for it, then they'll give you something better. These aren't going to be better. Will they be good enough? Is the is the open? Yeah, lots of people not not knowing about the guest pass over in Walkabout Mini Golf. That was a, a feature I think they rolled out right at the end of last year. It was a surprise, and not a lot of people really realize it's there. That is a thing for D- that's been a thing for DLC and multiplayer games for a while. That if you are if you own the game but not the DLC, you can play with a friend who owns the DLC. But I still don't think it's going to be enough if you still have to buy the app. Though obviously today, I'm not talking about any time soon. I'm not saying that today or tomorrow there's going to be a better mini golf game in Worlds or Rec Room. I'm just talking about in the longer term as these applications evolve into something much more than they are today, there's going to be that struggle that comes along. But obviously then you still have those apps that are very immersive and high fidelity. No one's going to make a Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners in this anytime soon. No one's going to make Half-Life Alex in any of these platforms anytime soon. That, That kind of thing is not going anywhere. Yep. All right. Uh, is that it for, it for us this week, Keeney? I think that's all of our news topics today. And obviously, thank you so much to our sponsor, Les Mills Body Combat, this week. They have got a exercise experience that you can try on Quest. Thank you all for tuning into our show this week. We'll be here on Mondays, Heaney and I are getting into the news to try to catch everyone up on, on what's going on in the VR s- space. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And my heart goes out to Star Trek Bridge Crew.